Well, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking at uh, Luke chapter 20 this morning. Some Sadducees came to Jesus in this passage of Scripture. A little bit about a Sadducee's background. Um, James, can you turn me down a little bit? I think it's a little hot in here this morning. Um, Who were Sadducees? Well, they were uh, the aristocrats of society. I mean, they were the well-to-do. And uh, the Sadducees had the assignment of uh, overseeing the priestly duties in the temple. They were assigned this duty after uh, Babylonian captivity. And, uh, and so they ran. A few weeks ago, we looked at Jesus and how he uh, cleaned house in the temple when he entered uh, Jerusalem. And uh, because he wanted his house to be a house of prayer. And, uh, <clears throat> but the people who were uh, running the money exchange and, and selling the sacrifices... Uh, that belonged to the Sadducees. And so the Sadducees were very well-off people. And uh, they were so well-off, they were so comfortable that uh, in their minds, this was all there was to life. And they didn't believe in an afterlife. They believed that what they experienced there on earth at that time, that was all there there was. And uh, life was very comfortable for them. It kind of describes a lot of Americans today. You know, our lives are so comfortable, uh, we can't imagine that life could get any better than the here and now. And uh, we know as Christians that... uh, This is the worst it's ever going to be. The best is yet to come. But in the Sadducees' mind, they thought that they had it well off. And so they didn't believe in an afterlife. But again, people were coming to Jesus with questions. Jesus was teaching in the temple. And uh, we looked at last week at... uh, at a question that uh, people had come to Jesus about. And so the Sadducees, they come, and they come with this rather ridiculous question. Um, They don't believe in an afterlife, and and their question wants to um, really show Jesus how absurd the afterlife really is. And so here we have in this passage of Scripture... Um, the question that the Sadducees come to Jesus about. And we're going to start with verse 27. There came to him some Sadducees and those who deny that there is a resurrection. And they asked him a question saying, Teacher, Moses wrote us that if a man's brother dies, having a wife but no children, the man must take the widow and raise up the offspring Uh, for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first took a wife and died without children. And the second and the third took her. And likewise, all seven left no children and died. Now, if I had been the sixth or seventh brother, I may not have volunteered for that responsibility. We're talking about the black widow here. 
Verse 32. And afterward, the woman also died. So in the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had her as a wife. And Jesus said to them, The sons of this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy to obtain to attain to that age and to the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. For they cannot die any more, because they are equal to the angels and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. But that the dead are raised, even Moses showed in the passage about the bush where he calls the Lord the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Now he is not the God of the dead, but of the living, for all live to him. Then some of the scribes answered, Teacher, you have spoken well, for they no longer dared to ask him any questions. Jesus is going to go on. He's going to explain the reality of an afterlife. I want you to understand this morning that when Jesus speaks of life beyond this life, he speaks with absolute authority. There's no doubt in his mind. And may this encourage all of us this morning and give us great hope of what we all can anticipate. Jesus talks about this age and that age. And the two are very different. How are they different? Well, A, for one, in that age, there's no longer going to be any marriage. No marriage. Jesus speaks of marriage in this age. What does God intend for marriage in this age? One of the purposes of marriage is procreation. Marriage was the first institution God ever created. God instituted marriage before he instituted the nation of Israel. And God God brought man and woman together and God intended for the, the husband and the wife to procreate. He wants us to reproduce godly offspring. This is the purpose of marriage. Husbands and wives coming together and having children so that life might continue. God told Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. And that's probably the one command that human beings have done really good at fulfilling here on earth. But this is God's intent. And this is what's to happen in this age. But my, how things have changed over the last four or five years. You know, it's particularly in this country of ours. When it comes to the definition of marriage and family, 
um, people have rewritten that definition, haven't they? As Christians, we no longer have home field advantage when it comes to this subject. And we live in a culture and we live um, with, uh, with leaders today who would rather the, the church be silent on this issue. And, and now officials are trying to compel Christians to, to marry uh, same-sex couples. And they think that the church should be silent. Church, we can't afford to be silent on this issue. Yes, times have changed. And we still need to continue to stand up for what God's word says. Even though society has rewritten the definition of marriage, that doesn't change the truth of scripture. And we must stand for what is right and we must communicate that in love. But don't think, and I don't think, don't think that the church is to be the master of the state. God never intended the church to be the master of the state, but God does intend for the church to be the conscience of the state. And so as God's people, we still need to continue to communicate truth. But this is the intent that God has for marriage in this age. Now, I understand that we live in a fallen and imperfect world. And I know that there are people here in this service this morning that you entered a marriage relationship and you fully intended that marriage relationship to last uh, your entire life. And it hasn't. I want you to know that God cares. And church, as a church, we need to be here for single parents who are raising those children all alone. God is still the God that can put the broken pieces back together again. We need to love them and we need to pray for them and we need to support them. That's what God would have us to do. And so this is God's intent for marriage in this age. But God says in the next age, in that age, there's no more marriage. Now, for some of us, that makes us sad. I'm not going to be married to Susan. Susan's not going to be married to me. For some of you, you get really excited about that. (laughs) But why isn't there marriage in the next age? Because people don't die in the next age. People live for eternity. And so there's no need to ever reproduce again. We are going to be with God for all eternity. There's no more funerals. No more hospital beds, Donnie. No more morphine, no more cancer, no more pacemakers, no more crutches, no more wheelchairs. It's life. 
life at its fullest for all eternity. Ken is fully alive. He's more alive today than he's ever been in his life here on earth. And that's the way it's going to be for all of us whom Jesus says are worthy to be a part of that age. But in that age, there's going to be no death. There's going to be no marriage. And in that day, age, we will be exalted. What is our exaltation going to look like? Well, Jesus says, well, we're going to be like the angels. We're not going to be the angels, but we're going to be like them. We're going to be God's children. And as God's children, our character is going to be faultless. We will want to perfectly do God's will. It's not going to be, well, if I feel like it or not. No, we'll want to do his will. Well, there will be nothing but righteous desires. No distractions. No opportunities uh, to sin. Nor will we want to be inclined to sin. We'll just want to do his will. There won't be any destructive habits. God's children living our lives for him. The Bible says we are going to be children of the resurrection. As children of the resurrection, we're going to be raised in a glorified form. What does that look like? Well, for one, we're going to be able to recognize each other. We'll know each other. You know, think about uh, Jesus on the Mount Transfiguration. Peter, James, and John were up there. Peter, James, and John didn't have to be introduced to Moses and Elijah when Jesus was talking with them. The disciples had never met Moses or Elijah. You know, they didn't have their iPhones and they didn't have a picture of them in their phone. No, but they immediately knew that it was Moses and Elijah that Jesus was talking to. We're going to recognize each other. The disciples and, and 500 people recognized Jesus when he rose from the grave. They were kind of caught off guard by him initially, but they knew it was him. He was in a glorified, resurrected body, physical body. He ate with the disciples. He passed through walls when he was with his disciples. So I I don't know what that's going to look like. That's awfully strange but we are going to receive glorified bodies because we are children of the resurrection. When are we going to receive these glorified bodies? The Bible says when Jesus returns. 
all of earth is going to see the return of Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at a passage in a little while. But it's on Jesus' return that the dead in Christ are going to be raised first. And Jesus, who brings back the saints, the souls of the saints, those resurrected bodies that are in the grave, are going to 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 be reunited with the spirit, their soul in the sky. This is going to be taking place at the end of time, and we can look forward to it. But Jesus is clearly stating that eternal life is a fact and that this is what it's going to be like. Then he goes on and he confronts the Sadducees in verses 35 and 36. Verse 35 says, But those who are considered worthy to attain that age into the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage, for they cannot die anymore because they are equal to the angels and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. Verse 37. But the dead are raised. Even Moses showed in the passage about the bush where he calls the Lord the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now, he is not the God of the dead, but of the living. For all live to him. The Sadducees only believed the first five books of the Old Testament. That's all they believed was the Torah. And so Jesus goes back to the book of Exodus in chapter 3, verse 6. And he does an exegetical defense of the resurrection. That the resurrection is a reality. See, the Sadducees, they would look at the first five books and they would say, there is nothing mentioned about um, an afterlife in those first five books. And Jesus goes to Exodus chapter 3, verse 6. And what does he say? God confronts Moses. God identifies himself. He says, I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac and Jacob. If Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were dead, God would have said, I was the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses, they were pretty good guys. But that's not what God says. God says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God is describing in the Old Testament, in this passage of scripture, that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob continue to exist. He's not the God of the dead. He is the God of of the living and Sadducees. This is Jesus saying now this Sadducees, If you would just read your Bible, you would know these things. What you believe is untrue. This is what God's word says. 
And he went right back to the five books, the second book that they believed. Now, there's other passages of Scripture that talk about um, the resurrection of life after in the Old Testament. And you have those listed in your outline this morning. But I just want to read um, probably my, one of my favorite passages from the book of Job. And uh, <clears throat> some Bible scholars say that Job may have been the first book ever written in the, of, in the Bible. But this is what Job said in chapter 19. He said, for I know that my redeemer lives and at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh, I shall see God whom I shall see for myself and my eyes shall behold and not another. My heart faints within me. Job of the Old Testament, who had never met Jesus Christ, Job declares emphatically, I know my Redeemer lives. And when this flesh fails me, I am going to see him face to face. This is what the Bible talks of when we talk about the reality of the resurrection. The New Testament, in many places in Scripture, the Bible uh, talks about um, what we have to look forward to as Christians. Because that, as I mentioned earlier, let me read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. This is that passage known as the, the rapture. In church, the rapture is going to come. Okay, now there's different camps as to when that rapture is going to occur. Some believe it's going to take place before the tribulation. Others believe it's going to take place in the middle of the tribulation. And then others believe that's going to take place after the tribulation. But the rapture is a reality. And this is what Paul says. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Be encouraged, friend. This is not it. We are just passing through. And God in the person of Jesus Christ, is going to come again. And he's going to catch, catch all those who belong to him to be reunited with him. And we are going to be reunited with him for all eternity. This is the word. And Jesus is emphatic about this. We've been looking at Jesus' life and how... He had come to die and how he was prepared to die and how he kept convincing his, his disciples, we're going to Jerusalem and these things are going to occur in my life, but I'm going to see you again. I'm going to be raised from the dead. And just as Jesus was certain about those things that were going to happen in his life, Jesus is just as certain of his coming again. 
Don't make the mistake of the Sadducees. Jesus, God, is not the God of the dead. He is the God of the living. He is the God of Ken Reinhardt. Ken Reinhardt still lives. We don't have to talk about him in the past tense. He is in the present, and he is more present than ever before. God is the God of Ken Reinhardt. I am the God, God says, of Ken Reinhardt. I don't know about you, but seven keeps growing sweeter and sweeter with each passing saint. And Lord, folks, as they leave this earth, this life, there is the afterlife. And Jesus says, those who are worthy. Where is that? Verse 35, but those who are considered worthy to attain to that age and to the resurrection from the dead. How do you get to be worthy? How do you qualify for that life? It's only, my friend, through the grace of God and the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus came and he died on a cross and he rose from the grave so that you wouldn't have to fear death. October 31st is coming up this week. For some people, October 31st freaks them out because it deals with death. As Christians, we don't have to be afraid because Jesus has conquered sin and death. And you can be counted worthy for the age to come, that age, if you will, by God's grace, simply believe in what Jesus has already done for you. You don't have to earn your way to heaven. That's what all the other religions of the world do, tries to do. They try to earn God's approval. That's religion. Jesus is all about a relationship. He wants you to believe in what he has already done for you. By faith, simply say, Jesus, I believe that you died for me on that cross. And by your grace, I want to trust you this morning with my life. If that's your prayer, Bible says he's going to hear that prayer and come into your life. Don't live your life in error. Look what Jesus, in, in Mark chapter 12, 
Mark chapter 12 is a parallel of uh, this conversation that Jesus had with the the Pharisees, the Sadducees. Look at verse 24. Verse 24 of Mark 12 says, don't be in error of what the scripture says and the power of God. Verse 27, he told them, he told them so saying, you have made a serious error. Believe the scripture. God is the God of the living. Jesus is emphatic about this. Believe what the scripture says and the power of God. This is what's happening now and this is what's going to happen in our future. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is able able to do anything. What do you need to trust him for today? Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are the God of the living. And God, you are able And we can trust you for whatever we are going through. God, I thank you that even though Friday afternoon was very difficult for Donna, as she watched her husband take his last breath, Jesus says, Jesus, you say, that Ken continues to live. His body might sleep. His body is going to be put back into the ground, but the soul, the person, the husband that Donna knows hasn't enjoyed all these 69 years, he lives. And I thank you that Donna knows this. And God, you filled her with the peace of your word. God, I pray for people in this service this morning. They're going through some stuff. They're going through some tough circumstances. And Father, their faith is on shaky ground. And they're discouraged. God, help them to believe the scripture and to know the power of God. And that God, you are able to do anything. Lord, we love you. Thank you for loving us. If there's one here this morning who's never asked Christ to come into their life, may today be the day of their salvation. 
so that they will be considered worthy for that age. The best age that's yet to come.